Welcome back to our study of the book of Proverbs. And um, as always, it is my tremendous privilege, my tremendous privilege to uh, spend time with you in the Word of God. You know, someone may say, well, you know, you're teaching uh, just children and young people. Uh, yes, I am, who have possibly a full life in front of them and the possibility of being mightily used of God and being a tremendous blessing to the world. But you need to understand something. You're going to be a blessing to the world, not because you simply have passion or desire or even give your life away. You're gonna be a blessing to the world because you know the Word of God, you live the Word of God, and you can also open your mouth and speak the Word of God, explaining it and helping people to understand it. So now we are in Proverbs chapter six, and we already covered uh, one passage, uh, verses one through five, and we're gonna go six through 11 in the next few studies. But I wanna give us a, a rundown again of the entire chapter six. But before I do that, let's read uh, verses uh, one through 11. Proverbs six, my son, if you have become surety for your neighbor, if you have given a pledge for a stranger, if you have been snared with the words of your mouth, have been caught with the words of your mouth, do this then, my son, and deliver yourself. Since you have come into the hand of your neighbor, go, humble yourself, importune your neighbor. Give no sleep to your eyes, nor slumber to your eyelids. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hunter's hand and like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Now verse six, and that's where we're going to take it up today. Um, Go to the ant, O sluggard, observe her ways and be wise, which having no chief officer or ruler prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provisions in the harvest. How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Your poverty will come in like a vagabond and your need like an armed man. Let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray, oh dear God, I pray for the young people who will, will hear this video. Lord God, please, first of all, that they would know your son, that they would delight in your son, that they would put all their hope in his person, in his work on their behalf. That they would trust not in their own works, Lord, or their own religious duty, but that they would trust in what Christ has done for them, dying on that tree, suffering the wrath of God in their place, bearing their sin, rising again from the dead, seated at the right hand, Lord. Please, Lord, Raise up a generation of young people who love your son and are devoted to him. And then, Lord, make them wise. Make them wise in your word. Make them holy and godly, that they would serve you, Lord, for the glory of your son and for the good of, of this world that is so desperately dark. Lord, help us now. Please help us in this study. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's just do a quick review of, of the entire chapter. Verses one through five talk about rashness. That's 
making decisions quickly, decisions that are unbiblical, decisions that, um, for which you've given no thought or very little thought and you've sought no counsel or very little counsel. Now, in rash decisions, oftentimes what happens is this. People make up their own mind and then go in the Bible to try to justify the decision they've already made. And then um, another thing you should understand, the same thing happens with counselors. Many times uh, people have already decided what they want to do. And then they go to counselors. And if the first one says you're wrong or you're foolish, then they go find another counselor. And they keep looking for counselors until what? Until they find someone who agrees with them, that affirms them. That's the way of a fool. And it is very, very dangerous. It's very, very rash. When we have to make important decisions, first of all, we must fill or renew our mind with the Word of God. We must live a lifestyle of studying the scriptures so that we have the wisdom to make decisions. Also, we must seek out wise counsel, proven counselors who are not just gonna tell us what we want to hear, but what we need to hear from the word of God. So verses one through five is rashness. Verses six through 11 is slothfulness or laziness. And that's what we're going to begin studying today. Verses 12 through 19 is, is wickedness. And verses 24 through 35, unfaithfulness. Now, I've titled this chapter, Navigating Through a Dark World. And um, as we navigate through this world, we're gonna have a tendency to sometimes be rash. We're gonna have a tendency to be slothful. We're gonna have a tendency to sin. We're gonna have a tendency to be unfaithful. And the only way to navigate around these things is through the word of God. And if you look in verses 20 through 23, my son, observe the commandment of your father and do not forsake the teaching of your mother. Bind them continually on your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you walk about, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk to you. For the commandment is a lamp and the teaching is light and reproofs for discipline are the way of life. Now, something very important here for both the, the young person who's listening to this and possibly the parent that is listening to this. When he talks about obeying your father and obeying your mother, listening to them, it is assuming that the mother and father are renewing their mind in the commandments of God, that they themselves are committed and mature with regard to the Bible and the practice of biblical wisdom. And so this is, I guess, not only for the young person who's listening, but for the parent, you have an obligation to study the word, not just for yourself, but for your children. So that when you open your mouth, God's wisdom comes out. Now, one last thing I want to talk about, and we mentioned this before, but it's important to mention it again. We live in a dark world and we have to navigate through many dangerous rocks and shoals and reefs that are hidden under the water or the, the gigantic storms that come, we need to learn how to navigate. And, and what you need to understand is that no one starts out thinking, you know what, I wanna ruin my life. 
you know what? I want to be destroyed by sin. <clears throat> now, but, but people do. And so what do we need to recognize from this? Well, well, first of all, we live in a dangerous world. And second of all, many times young people think when they look at wickedness or they see someone who's destroyed their life, they think, I would never do something like that. I would never, you know, fall that far. Well, there's a passage in 1 Corinthians 10, 12 that says, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. I am much older than a lot of you young people who will be listening to this. I, I have fear, not just the fear of the Lord, but I also have a fear of Satan. I have a fear of sin. I have a healthy fear of myself. And I know that I am capable of falling. I know that I am capable of turning away. And therefore, as we get older and less sure of ourselves, the more we cling to the word of God. But young people sometimes are like, no, that won't happen to me. Well, those of you who think you can stand, be very, very careful because you just may fall. As a matter of fact, you probably will fall. Um, as a matter of fact, it's, it's not a question of whether you will fall at times. The question is how far and how long. You desperately need the counsel of the word of God. Now, let's start with slothfulness. So in verse six, it says, go to the ant, O slugger, observe her ways and be wise, which having no chief officer or ruler prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Your poverty will come in like a vagabond and your need like an armed man. Now, I have to laugh a bit when I hear this. Why? Because this is one of my mom, my mother's favorite things to say to me uh, as a boy. Uh, we lived on a farm and so we had to get up quite early and, and do a lot of work. Many times we would do work before we went to school. And my mom would sometimes come in with a, a joyful ring to her voice, but she'd come in my bedroom when it's still dark and say, how long will you sleep, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? And uh, she'd wake me up and send me out to the, the farm animals to feed them. And uh, here's something before we get into the, the study that I'd like you to think about. I didn't want to get up in the morning. I really didn't. I was a little boy, it was oftentimes cold and snowy outside. I didn't want to feed a bunch of stinky animals. But you know what? My mother and my father um, disciplining me in that, in that way had a lasting impact upon my life. They gave me a great gift. Uh, they showed me that slothfulness, uh, laziness was wrong. It was sinful. And not only that, they taught me how to work and they pushed me very, very hard. But they created in me a virtue of work an understanding of work. And it stays with me until today. So now let's look at some things. First of all, he goes from rashness to slothfulness. And we need to ask ourselves, is there a connection between the two? 
Well, I, I think there may be, and I, I want to give you a few possibilities. First of all, he may be referring to someone who makes rash pledges. Remember the person made a rash pledge uh, because he's hoping to make money. He says, you know, I will, I will stand there and I will put myself in your place. If you don't pay your debt, um, I will pay it, but you're gonna have to pay me back and possibly with interest. Maybe it's the idea of a person who doesn't want to work really hard, but he has kind of a quick, get rich quick scheme. Uh, young person, anytime someone comes to you with something like you can make money quickly and easily, that should be a warning flag immediately. Also, if you're a person who's always trying to make money in an easy way without expending much energy, know this, that sooner or later you're going to fall to ruin. Those people who are prosperous are prosperous because they work hard and they work diligently. Now, it could also refer to the stranger who asks for someone else to give themselves as a pledge for their financial needs because they're just too lazy to work. I've met so many people who say, you know, I would do this if you would help me. Well, it's good for people to help us at times, but what you need to understand is you can't live your life that way. You have to be a person who says, any kind of help I can receive, I would greatly appreciate it. And I would express gratitude for the person who helped me, but I am not going to depend upon people helping me. I know that I have to rise up and I have to do it. And if I don't do it, I can't blame others. And you'd be surprised, young people, how many older people there are in this world who have not done well. And literally, they always place the blame either on someone else or some extraordinary circumstance. One of the best things you can do in your life is assume responsibility. If I'm not where I need to be, I'm going to take the blame. I'm not going to pass the buck. Now, another option here is this, that slothfulness in the Bible, uh, not in the Bible, but in the world, slothfulness is often looked at as something that's, um, that's just funny. It, it, people laugh about it. It's used in comedy. We see um, all kinds of movies when I was growing up and TV series where there's always this lazy person and he's rather, uh, he's, it's, it's almost like a clown. It's like a comedy. It's fun. But what we need to understand is that slothfulness is not funny. It's not funny at all. It, it's, it's dangerous. It's destructive. And what, what you really need to understand is it's a sin before God. Now, there was a, a theologian lived many, many years ago, kind of theologian slash philosopher named Thomas Aquinas. And he expounded upon what had come to be known as the seven deadly sins. These were seven sins that were capital. They were mortal, uh, they were deadly, and in some ways they're the root of all other kinds of sins. And I think you'd be surprised that in this list of seven deadly sins, uh, one of them is slothfulness. Let me read the list to you. First of all, vainglory or pride. 
is one of the seven deadly sins. And, and what does that refer to? When you have satisfaction in yourself and satisfaction in your own achievements as though you're the one who did it by yourself without giving glory to God, without recognizing that whatever you are, you are by the grace of God. Another seven deadly sins is greed or covetousness. When you just constantly want more and you especially uh, want more from other people. Money, there's never enough. Fame, there's never enough. Acknowledgement, never enough. Being patted on the back, never enough. You're greedy, not just for money, but for everything. Secondly, lust, the desire to use others to fulfill your physical desires, to treat other people as an object for your own use. Envy, a feeling of, dis, of being discontented, a feeling of being resentful because of what others have achieved or what others possess or what others have uh, uh, gained with regard to fame. It's just looking at other people and seeing their prosperity and not being happy for them, but being angry because somehow they have risen above you. Another is gluttony. Did you know? Um, gluttony is a sin. I've seen even pastors um, laugh about this, about their, their excessive weight and how much they love to eat and laughing about it and laughing about their trips to McDonald's and everything else, and yet they're not recognizing that gluttony is a sin. And added to gluttony, um, well, included in gluttony, is also drunkenness. And so a person who cannot control their, their appetites, it's one of the deadly sins. And then wrath or unrighteous anger. There is a righteous anger. When you see, for example, a wolf hurting the people of God, you should ang be angry, but sin not. Or when you see in the world today all the perversion and violence, you should be angry, but in a righteous way. To be unrighteous, to be wrathful, to be out of control, to be moved by violent emotion is a deadly sin. And then lastly, slothfulness. Simply being slothful. Again, a lot of times in movies, people think it's funny. A lot of times maybe there's a friend who's slothful and you laugh about it. But the fact is, it's a deadly, deadly sin. Um, I have worked with a lot of people over the years, and I have had people work with me, work under me, and I will tell you this, I will take a hard-working person, a diligent person, a person who is energetic and animated, and yet possibly they do not have the the magnificent gifts, but I will take them over someone who has magnificent gifts and intellectual powers and everything else who's just lazy. There is hardly anything or anyone worse to work with than a lazy person. Now, as we go on, I want you to think about something. Um, remember what I said that even when I was little, a little boy, I had all kinds of work to do on the farm, feeding cattle, feeding horses, uh, 
bush hogging with the tractor, all, all sorts of things, responsibilities that I had, and many times getting up early, and many times working late, and many times working in environments where it was very, very hot, or you just felt like your toes were gonna uh, fall off from being frostbitten, working out maybe in the fields during the winter. But all that happening at a young age, it built something in me. My wife, she, Chato, she laughs sometimes. She says, you know, uh, that when I, when I get to heaven, I'll say, why is everybody standing around? Shouldn't we be working? Uh, I don't know if that's the case, but I do know that I take pleasure in work. And that pleasure comes from my father's and my, my father and my mother demanding work of me when I was young. Now, if you're a parent, I want to say this. Um, I want to say this before we actually get into this scriptures. Um, many lazy children are lazy adults. Actually, they're the product of their parents. Um, if, if, you know, uh, my wife sent me a film a few years ago and it was um, our daughter. She was about three years old and, and my wife Chato was teaching her how to, we had a front end loader on our wash machine and she was teaching uh, Bronwyn how to take the clothes out of the basket and put it in the wash machine. Uh, teaching Bronwyn uh, or my other children how to clean their room. If you've got a young son and he's, I don't know, eight, nine years old and you're still cleaning his room, you're not helping him. You're not helping him. Even if you don't live on a ranch and you're living in the city, you have to create ways to teach your children how to work. And you have to show them, not with anger, not with excessive punishment, but you need to show them that laziness is a sin. All right. Um, we're going to touch on one thing uh, before, uh, before we get to the, the text in our next session, and it is this. Work is of God, and work was ordained by God before the fall, and, and you need to understand this. Um, a lot of people think, well, you know, work is the result of Adam's sin. No, it's not. If you look in Genesis 2.15, it says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. To cultivate it and to keep it. Now look at that. That's before the fall. Now after the fall, in Genesis chapter 3, we understand that work became very troublesome and sometimes futile. But nevertheless, you need to understand throughout the entire Bible, you need to see that men and women were created to work. And that's why, as, as many, many wise people have said, we should never teach our children to say, thank God it's Friday. We should teach children to say, thank God it's Monday. We should teach them the value of work we should teach them how work honors God, and we should teach them to do work that is not only productive for self, not only intended to 
make money, to spend money, but to do work that will actually glorify God and be a benefit not only for God's people, but for all people. Um, this is often very neglected even in homeschooling. Homeschooling needs to be academically sound. But the reason why we homeschool has to do with much more than just our, our kids read well, have read all the classics, know the scriptures. Um, it, it's to teach them character. And one of the greatest and most important virtues in character is, is the ability and the desire to work. Well, I hope this has been helpful. This has kind of been a long introduction. We haven't got into the text, but we'll do that in our next session. Let's pray. Father, I, I pray that you would please, please use this, Lord. And please raise up a group of young people, a multitude of young people who study your word, who seek to live their life in the very center of your will and who do your will, not in a way that is slothful or lazy or inconsiderate, but that they would do your will with diligence, energetically, and most of all, Father, with great hope, with great hope that whatever we do in your name brings reward. Father, please help in Jesus' name.